137 PM's Live from the Bar Cart. A look into the style, culture, strength, and grind of the modern day man. This is 137 PM Live from the Bar Cart. I'm your host, Brian Anthony Hernandez. And on this show, our friend JJ McCorvey interviewed serial entrepreneur and angel investor Gerard Adams. You may know him as the self-described millionaire mentor. Gerard's story is inspiring because he started Elite Daily and then sold it for $50 million at the age of 24. Before all that, he got a start as a stock trader right out of high school. And in this interview, he gives some great advice about creating your own brand, growing your audience, and giving back to the community. Now let's listen to Gerard and JJ. Welcome to 1.37 p.m. live from the Barkhart Podcast. I'm your host, J.J. McCorvey. I'm the senior editor of The Grind, where we feature young guys who are navigating the world of business and entrepreneurship. Today, we have Gerard Adams, co-founder of Elite Daily, who is also uh, the CEO of Founders, uh, the startup accelerator. So how's it going, Gerard? Oh, it's great. You know, it's been a killer week, so I feel good, energy's high, and I'm uh, grateful to be here today. Well, we appreciate you making time for us. Uh, so before we get started, we're going to cheers. We're both sipping on some right. tequila right now. Yes. <laughs> Unwind from a long week. Yes. Salute. Salute. Cheers. So I want to start right into your uh, your story, your origin story, like how you became the millennial mentor. Where did you start? What was, what was like your first entree into into talking to this generation? Yeah, I mean, I really owe all my success to the relationships that I have built throughout my entire life. And, you know, for me, mentorship was the key for me that opened up, you know, all the doors of opportunity in the moments. And, um, you know, it started off as a young, I'm a young kid from Jersey, you know, and small town. And um, my parents were like my first mentors. I saw my mother working seven days a week at a local supermarket and that kind of, you know, one, I, that, that work ethic really inspired me, but also just, you know, when you see your mother working like that and she got hurt, she had back surgeries, knee surgeries. I mm. mean, she really, you know, and she's a first generation immigrant from Colombia. She was born in Colombia. So, I mean, that was also my big inspiration to why I wanted to become successful. And yeah. then my father was my first mentor that taught me about leadership. He used to hide notes throughout the house, my book bag. If I went to go to the refrigerator, I mean, there'd just be these notes that were hidden um, that, you know, had quotes from like Marcus Aurelius, John F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King, all these yeah. unbelievable leaders. So they were the first ones that really helped me. And then, you know, I was a bad student. So I went through a lot in school, you know, where I just felt I wasn't good enough, wasn't smart enough. I wasn't going to be able to amount to much. I realized recently that I always felt I had something to prove to my dad. Mm. You know, I really... I never made first string. I always wanted to be first string. I always playing football. I always wanted to stand out. I couldn't. I was too skinny. You know, um, I ended up just trying to do things because I wasn't comfortable with my own skin at, the, at a young age. Um, you know, I got jumped a lot. I have a scar on my face that really impacted me. And, mm. and um, football season, I did steroids. I did trying to, like, bulk up. And what? I went through a lot of that. But, uh, but after... Um, after high school, that's when the real journey began where I realized I needed to find, I really needed to find mentors to help me to learn about business because school wasn't for me. And when I went to college, my first semester, I was like, I, this isn't for me. And, and I ended up, uh, ended up, you know, dropping out. And that was like a mm. big challenge for me. Um, but then, you know, to answer your question, after that dropout, I, f I found my first mentor and um, he was this young guy. 
I asked a lot of kids right before dropping out of school, like, hey, does anybody know anybody successful? Because I hadn't really seen. There wasn't Instagram back then. I wasn't on YouTube back then. You know what I mean? And I didn't really know what success really truly looked like other than the fact of having a poster in my my room of a Ferrari, right? (laughs) So um, one one classmate was like, hey, I know this. I know this guy. And he took me to his house. And I'll never forget that day. I pulled up three-car garage, in-ground pool, and beautiful mansion. And I go in, and in that moment, this young this young guy comes down the stairs. He must be in his young 20s. And I'm like, yo, what do your parents do for a living, man? Like, this crib is sick. And he, he was looked at me, and he's like, nah, this is my house. And <laughs> that was the moment that I knew, okay, yeah. here we go. Yeah. Here's someone that I you know I can emulate. Here's someone that I know that I, I, I could be like, I can learn from. Yeah. And that was it for me. That was the moment where I was like, hey, listen, I will spend all my free time coming here, being an apprentice to you for free. Let me just mm-hmm. bring value to you. Let me just learn from you. And that apprenticeship, that mentor changed my life. And that yeah. was the beginning of many mentors throughout my, you know, my entire career. So now... For me, I want to be that that big brother, that millennial mentor for our generation. Yeah, that's great, man. What did you learn under your mentor? What profession was it? Yeah, so the very first mentor, he taught me, um, the very first thing that he taught me was how to do research. That's a good Which skill. I think is, you know, a lot of people really don't really think about. And, you know, a lot of people want to get into entrepreneurship, but no matter what you do in life, you can't just, you know, I like to say that, of course, you just want to go and you need to start. You can't get in your your own head because then you have over-analysis paralysis. Yeah. But, you know, doing due diligence and know, if you want to invest, in, whether it's like you want to be an investor or you want to start a business. So for me, he really taught me how to do research. He taught me how to read income statements. He taught me how to read a balance sheet. He taught me how to go and, you know, understand where to find press releases on companies, how to study their business plans, all of that. That was the very first thing that he ever taught me that I'm really grateful for. And then other than that, it was this work ethic and marketing, email marketing. He really taught me how to tell stories, how to write about companies, how to, how to do, you know, PPC, build email list, drive traffic, yeah, yeah, and things like that. Yeah. So I know you have your finger on the pulse of uh, the millennial generation, but when I think about the word millennial, I think of all the headlines that talk about millennials and like uh, all these inconsequential things that um, a lot of media publications say, like, "Oh, millennials are responsible for this trend or that trend." Of you know, we like avocado toast and shit like that. <laughs> so, so what does that word mean to you? Like, what what uh, what does best describes like a millennial today, and how how do you think it's that word has changed from like when it first became a buzzword until now. I mean, that's a great question. I feel for me, like millennials, in my opinion, are we're like a new breed, hmm. and I believe that first and first of all, I do want to say that it didn't just happen. Like we we i i love to pay homage to our ancestors like we wouldn't be who we are if it wasn't for the sacrifices that were made before us mm-hmm. so i definitely think it's been you know over time like us um you know learning from what has happened before us but i feel like we are the ones that are 
really very this paving the way creatively we are um we're no longer in my opinion just allowing to be put into a box into mm-hmm. a system i feel like you know we look at the way that past you know generations have come to existence there were the they came into these like systems and i think from from the moment we're born we're put into this these systems this box the education system the healthcare system the you know uh corporations and the mm-hmm. way that that is structured and and i think that millennials are the ones that are saying wait no there's no rules to this thing called life like we can make our own rules we can do things differently we can see the world you know differently and kind of you know i really feel that we're creating our own reality and, and the way that we find happiness what we what we want what we see as success um the way that we want to make impact in the world and uh yeah and i just think that we're we're really the ones that are experimenting and changing changing the way the world is is right. is really you know, working and the way the world is. Yeah. Especially when it comes to business, right? Because I think about uh, how a lot of the digital platforms just kind of unlocked the um, the capacity and the, the ability to just put out what you want to put out and really go for what you want to go for. If you want to, you know, write a book, there's, you know, self-publishing tools. If you want to create a, a web series, right, you produce it and put it on YouTube, right? And so I I also think of the millennial generation as like really the first generation to fully take advantage of that, you know, and like all the the platforms that really kind of allow the generation to cut through a lot of the systems, as you say, um, to get to like the end product and like distribute it to millions of people. I mean, like you do. Geez, uh, I mean, it's, it's, and that's what I'm talking about. It's like we're changing all the rules. We're changing the game. You know, it, it's. I mean, how how amazing is it that we're seeing the you know what the you know it's like the, the last generation helped create this thing called the internet. But look at what we're how we're really being able to right now leverage that um, in a way that I feel is allowing us to pave our own path in life, but to to also just go out there and express ourselves, yeah. you know? And I think, I really feel that um, we're the generation that can can truly heal a lot of a lot of what's going on in the world today. I mean, there's a lot of depression, there's a lot of anxieties, a lot of stress, there's a mm-hmm. lot of things of what people see as success. And I think we've had to go through that with social media, you yeah. know, and it, everything's happened in a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. But what I see is this with millennials, and what I see is this with what you're talking about, is there's a new shift in consciousness that's happening right now. And I think mm-hmm. millennials are the ones that see it and feel it. Yeah. And they're the ones that are saying, okay, hold on, like what's really truly happening here and I really genuinely believe that we're the ones that are, are starting the, to have the real conversations that need to be had like we're mm-hmm. having right now mm-hmm. about, what, okay, what really are the issues? And I think that's happening completely around culture. You know, I know this is, we're talking, you know, we're about to get into business, but if you look at even hip hop. No, we can talk about culture okay, too. Okay, <laughs> dope. Because that's, you know, I love that. So yeah, one thirty-seven p.m., it's it's all of these things through the lens of entrepreneurship. I love so, that. Yeah. And that's why, that's why I really, truly fuck with 137. Like I really, really do. I mean, it brings me back to the elite <laughs> daily, but oh, I, I, I really love it. Um, and yeah, for you know, I look at hip hop. You know, you look at Childish Gambino with "This Is America." You Chance. know, you look at Kanye right now, yeah. and you know, you got to respect Kanye if you really listen to his words. You listen, listen to the way that he's saying 
to you know to be free express yourself freely to think differently mm -hmm. you know that was whole the whole wave of, of what steve jobs left behind for us mm -hmm. and then you look at um you know who's another one jay cole you, you, know? you draw a similarity uh between what kanye and charles gambino is, are saying am i similar in what they're saying yeah what i'm what i think i i really believe that what there's what they're how they're expressing themselves mm -hmm. is is what we're talking about. It's the sense that even at the highest level of, with hip hop, down to the influencer on, on Instagram with maybe you know a thousand followers, we're all realizing that we have a voice and we have a platform. And how can we use our platforms to spread light? on the things that matter that's going on in society and the problems that we really truly need to solve. And I think the ones that are really gonna be the ones that attack it and solve it are the ones that we know as called entrepreneurs mm -hmm. that are like, okay, now we're shining light on it and I think there's a lot of people that are expressing themselves and shining light and then entrepreneurs are the ones, and this is what I get excited about, it's like, okay, now let's think about how can we actually create solutions to these problems right. um, through innovation and technology and, yeah. and, and, and um, through, you know storytelling yeah well i have to point out to listeners that you have a shirt and a cap right now both of which say woke yeah. across the across the front yeah that's um, my uh, my new uh, summer summer collection for yeah just great leaders okay yeah. tell me uh what woke means what being woke means to you i think for me it means to when I say woke, I think there's a lot of people that are asleep, and I don't mean that in the sense. I, I mean that in the sense that that like they're living life, and they're 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 truly not living their authentic truth. Mm -hmm. And woke to me is when you stop listening. Look, you're no longer allowing external things around you or circumstances around you to um, to influence who you truly are. Mm -hmm. You are completely awakened to your truth to who you are, who you were always meant to be in this world, and you're actually tapped in internally to who that person really is, so that then you can literally live, you know, a fulfilled, you know, truth, truthful mm -hmm. life. And and for me, that's um that's what it means. All right. So not necessarily or not just walk to some of the social and political issues that are yeah. happening. It's all you feel it's also uh, an internal yeah I think for me it's mostly internal okay yeah it's woke to uh, internal in, in internal I think that right now that's the most important thing that people need to work on especially for me I mean I said what I really especially entrepreneurs I didn't know what the hell woke I didn't know anything I didn't I mean as far as like internal or spiritually I had faith my entire life mm -hmm. but faith and being like really tapped in spiritually and like with a higher level of consciousness for yourself that I never really ever tapped into it was like grind hustle 24 7 I got to do what I got to do and I had prayed and I had faith mm -hmm. but you know over um over my career like you know, I didn't realize that um, I didn't really take care of myself. You know, mm -hmm. when you're an entrepreneur, you really kind of don't, you know, you don't really necessarily take care of yourself. What, you do, you mean, what, do, what do you mean by that? What, what, what were you For me, I, I mean, it kind of goes into what being a leader is. You know, for me as a leader, I showed up a lot in my life putting my team first, putting my businesses first, putting everyone before me. I got to make it because I have, 
you know, why do we hustle? It's like, I want to take care of my family. I want financial freedom. Yeah. I want lifestyle freedom. I want all these things. But what happens is a lot of the times, and you know, why do you think that we have a lot of people out there in the world that are extremely wealthy? You're talking, I know billionaires that are completely unhappy and unfulfilled. Yeah. So my whole thing is I chased the money for a really, really long time. And, you know, of course we need money. Of course I want everyone that's listening to this right now to go out there and, shit come and be a billionaire you know what i mean like a bunch of millionaires and billionaires listening to me right now and you don't even know it <laughs> but the fact of the matter is is um you know along the way along the journey a leader also has to take care of him or herself has to fill your cup has to make sure that you're like really fueling yourself empowering to yourself yeah. you know and i didn't really ever meditate my, throughout my career i was, just started that recently was there a moment for you where you kind of hit empty and uh could you can yeah. Go into that for me? You know, for me, it was, I mean, first of all, it, there was many times, mm. many, many times since I was a kid. And even to today, I still have moments of just honestly feeling lonely um, and having, I have anxiety. Mm. Like I really ha suffer from sometimes that anxiety. Um, I had anxiety literally three days ago, getting ready for my keynote speech and all this mm. anxiety was like building up um, until that moment. But uh, for me, I think the one key moment for me that I'll talk about is when I sold Elite Daily. Mm. And in that moment, I felt like my whole life led to building that brand. And I wanted it to be the most unbelievable, biggest millennial media company in the United States, you know, which is like, yo, let's go 137, you know. <laughs> but, you know, for me, that was my brand, Elite Daily. And when it sold, I was the la I was on the board. That board meeting was to sell the company was a really long board meeting and I was mm. the one making a speech on why not to sell. Mm. So you didn't want to sell? I was the only one on uh, that did I, not want to sell the I company. Now, I don't regret it at all, but mm -hmm. in the moment of sale, when my co-founders and everybody were like, no, this is the right thing to do, I was depressed. Mm. I hit I hit this moment. And I know it's like, oh, boo-hoo, you sold your company and then you get depressed. For, for me, it was like all these what-ifs kicked in and then all this, this like, wow, like that. I felt like that was that was... That was kind of like my identity as an entrepreneur. Mm. And I was like, now what? Right. Now what? Which is a mistake a lot of professionals in general make, right? They become so, I've experienced this as well, they become so tied up in the place that they're working for. And then when you're not working there anymore, you're like, wait, now, like, now what? Yeah. You know? Um, can I ask why you didn't want to sell? Because for me, as a, you know, for me, it was about culture. Like Elite Daily to me represents still, you know, it's a brand, it had brand equity. And a lot of times when you get your valuation on your company, you know, they don't take into consideration the brand equity that you build and what you put in. And I think that the number one thing that built Elite Daily and made it successful was our culture. We mm. created culture, we were culture, we are culture. Mm. And like we had that within the office with people skateboarding through the office and smoking, you know, smoking joints and you know, in the back, but working their faces off and mm. loving it and grinding and just like all for one common Mission, and it was a startup. You had BuzzFeed and all these big companies that raised hundreds of millions of dollars, and we were going up against them, and we were like, we are the voice of Generation Y, and we were doing it, you know, where it started off with, you know, wooden folding chairs, you yeah. know, as just an idea, buying it for nine ninety nine on GoDaddy. So it was like we were on a mission, 
and we, we we hosted you know events and parties and we brought we really created a this brand to be bigger than us it was about our audience and about the people we served and they were a part of that you know we opened it up to have 2,000 contributors from all over the world all millennials that were under 24 years old at the time and yeah. you know uh, so for me it was like that's why I was like, yeah. "Yo, we built something that's bigger than money right, right. now. Let's hold off." For Even the though it was like a fifty million dollar yeah. sale, that that wasn't like a consolation nah. for you. No, I, I I didn't care if I was broke. Like, yeah. no. And no. so and so afterward, you said you you know kind of hit a depression. What did that look like, and how did you come out of it? Well, you know, it didn't last like too all too long. You know, it was probably like about two two weeks you know no one can know about the sale wasn't announced yet all that stuff all mm-hmm. these moments kind of were going through my head and and then the first phone call I made was to my best friend um growing up you know from kindergarten shout out to nick and um and it was him and my other best friend mike and, and i talked to both of them and um, they were like you know gee you always want to jump out of a plane without a parachute bro and you fucking did it bro like it may not be this billion dollars. It may not be, you know, you, you know, all these things that you might have wanted it to be to be. But like, bro, it's a like that's amazing. Think about where we started. Think about yeah. us as kids. And that moment of them talking to me like that was mm-hmm. like, yo, wow, like you're right. Like, holy cow, like, you know, damn. And then I started really thinking about like, oh my gosh, like, you know, yeah, I built Elite Daily as a brand, and and I, and I want to make this clear when I say I, it definitely wasn't I. Mm-hmm. Like all of Elite Daily success had nothing to do with me; it had to do with our team. Yeah. Just so to make that clear, but you know, for me, it was like, okay, now I can leverage this to be. I've been a mentor. I've been seeking mentors my whole life. Like I can leverage this to now become the platform myself. And then it was like the boom of influencers was growing. I was like. I was like, wow, there's so many people out there, especially people that were doing it and showcasing the lifestyle that aren't real entrepreneurs. I would say they're called entrepreneurs. Mm. And they were showcasing what I don't think is real entrepreneurship through the gram. And I was like, I need to start standing up as a leader. And Gary was like the only person I saw, Gary V. I was like, and I was like, yo, there's gotta be more millennials that are stepping up to the plate that actually are documenting and doing, and they're real entrepreneurs. They've, I've put in over, I mean, I've lost count, but at the time it was like 65,000 hours that I had counted I had put into entrepreneurship. Yeah. Those are real hours, you know, real years, real sweat, blood, and tears that yeah. I've put in, real failures that I've overcome, you know, real rock bottom moments, you know, and a lot of no's and a lot of stuff I've gone through. So for me, it was like, you know what? I can now step up and share my journey and share my lessons, share my wisdom and be and really feel like confident that now I am that millennial mentor. I have lived it. And that was it for me. Like that all kind of hit me and I was like, let's go, let's go all in. And when I told my story, my entire journey, my entire story to um, a friend of mine who built $2 billion hedge funds, he's, he's remarkable. Mm. And he left that to create a social impact company. He gave me, he was, his client was Tony Robbins and he gave me two front row tickets to go see Tony. Mm. And I had heard of Tony, but I had never seen him, never listened. And I remember going to that and I just went to just like go there with this research mentality of I want to see how this man performs and what he really does. And I was enamored by it. And then his whole quote of success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure really hit me. Hmm. And that's and then it kind of really at that point, that was the beginning of the wave of what now is Gerard Adams and Leaders Create Leaders. And that's why. um, So I I do want to get to Leaders Create Leaders, but it seems like that is kind of what is guiding um, your projects going forward. Because then after uh, selling Elite Daily, you 
started Founders, mm-hmm. right, which is uh, a startup incubator accelerator where you um, kind of do what you just said, where you take what you learned uh, as an entrepreneur and give it back to up-and-coming entrepreneurs. So tell me about Founders, and which is spelled F. O W N D E R S. <laughs> yeah, so we put the word own in the middle of it because you know my whole, th- you know my whole thing is like own it. You know, take ownership of your life. Like own it. You know, stop making excuses. No matter what it is in life, take ownership. It's you. You're the one who controls, the you know the controls the 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 outcome of your destiny. Mm-hmm. So take ownership of it. Own it. Um, so the birth of founder. So you know part, you know for me after that moment. Um, of Elite Daily, I sold the company, went through that depression, overcame that, got inspired, Gary, Tony, you know, started thinking internally myself, started be thinking about how do I create a personal brand, how do I become a platform, how do I become a voice, be that mentor, and then there was this other aspect of, I'm still a businessman, mm-hmm. I'll always be a businessman, mm-hmm. so how can I take what I really genuinely care about, this message and these skills that I've learned, and how do I put that together with a, in a with a business mentality? And that was the birth of what now is a social enterprise known as Founders. And what we've done is I wanted to go back to the inner city of Newark. That's where my family grew up. My grandparents, when they immigrated here, they settled in Newark. I heard all these stories growing up of Newark. You know, my churches was in Newark. And I went to the worst projects in Newark. Mm. Um, and basically I partnered up with a real estate developer. I was like, let's let's transform this community yeah. through building an incubator, building a, you know, affordable housing, building an art gallery and founders was this startup accelerator that we put inside of the incubator Mm. where I started for 12 weeks at a time educating entrepreneurs bringing in leaders to come and speak to them Mm. and helping them launch their ideas and turn them into 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 actual sustainable real businesses Um, and through that we launched this platform and the you know, there's a membership to become a member. You have full access to the online community and content, but the profits from that, we take a percentage of those profits and it goes into a nonprofit known as Future Founders where we go and we actually teach inner city children in middle schools and high schools in Newark mm-hmm. and teach them specifically entrepreneurship, emotional intelligence, and financial literacy. Yeah. And we, we do that inside the classrooms, but then after that, we actually put them into a mentorship program where they can come and actually meet. Once we understand their passion and, their, and what they're curious about, we allow them to have a day with an entrepreneur in that field to see what it's like. Yeah. And um, yeah, wow. so. That's, that's awesome. I, I, um, I'm always fascinated by um, entrepreneurs who kind of feel that pull to uh, embed kind of a social good mission within their business model. Um, what advice can you give um, someone who might be listening and, and is wondering, like, how can I build a mechanism uh, of giving back from the onset, like when, like when you're starting the company, um, into my business model and not have to worry about, oh, am I going to be able to do that and make money? Like, I, you know, I could be investing that 20% back into you know, my my building or my business. Well, so what kind of advice do you have there? So what I would tell them is change the mindset of that you're going to lose anything and change it to how much you have to gain from it. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that I would tell you is you're not a real entrepreneur if you don't build a real business yeah. that can create a profit. That's first and foremost. So, you know, you have to learn how to create a sustainable business that creates a profit. Mm-hmm. You know, I love this term of purpose meets profit. And, you know, so it, you have to you have to 
for like really if you want to build a big company there has to be that mission there has to be that why and it has to truly connect to your to who you're targeting your customers your audience make sure that that's clear so you know you make sure you have that mission make sure it's clear and concise and it's it truly taps into the emotion of your customers and um, and who you're targeting and then think of a and really sit down and really work out a business model that's going to create real profitability and then whatever your revenues are and your revenue goals are I want you to just think about it in the sense of whatever they are currently right now whatever you're doing in revenue right now mm-hmm. what I would say is like by adding a taking a percentage and, and putting that towards a, a, a something that's really good for the community, socially good, something that taps into your heart. Not only is it going to be more fulfilling for you, it's going to drive and, and 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 really inspire your team to want to work harder. It's going to inspire your customers to want to buy into the brand even more, and you can honestly just think about how can you generate more revenue so that ultimately you're not losing any revenue. It's like mm. if you're doing a million dollars a year right now and you're afraid, let's give away, uh, you know, 10% of that into, you know, into charity and social good. Hey, let's just figure out how to get you to 2 million in revenue right. because ultimately now you may be losing that 200,000, but you, you just gained an, an additional 800,000 to the bottom line of your company. So it's just like, start thinking about it that way as how can we create more business growth to bottom line growth for your company? Mm and leverage the fact that you're doing something really good that's gonna create that fulfillment for you, for your team, and for your customers. And I I guarantee you that if you do that, um, you will build something not only sustainable, you'll build something extremely impactful that will create so much change. I mean, the moments for me at Founders when I see those kids and I'll give you, you know, one story real quick was, you know, this young man, Shakoy, when I met him, he was hustling drugs. He felt nothing like, you know, he saw his, his, his uncle get shot on the porch step. He, his friends were, you know, really all of them like getting in trouble, yeah. locked up. And he was like, this kid is like 16 years old. And when I met him, I, I, I related to him because I hustled when I was his age, I was hustling weed. Mm. And I was always afraid to talk about that. But now I realized that God gave me that gift so that I can now connect to someone like Shakoy. So I connected him. He's like, oh, really? I was like, yeah, now I channeled that hustle mentality to business. For a and lot of like, guys, that's like that's their first experience with entrepreneurship. For too, sure. Yeah. For sure. And through working with Shakoy and helping him um, through our program, he, I ended up having other students come to me and say, what did you do to Shakoy? Because he just unconventionally did a motivational speech and got all the students to go to the go to the auditorium in his school and give a motivational speech. Nice. And I'm like, wow. And there's a whole shift in this kid. And that one shift and that one kid and him coming and thanking me with like tears, you know, and like knowing that that can change generational of, of generations of poverty for his family. He can be the one yeah. that changes everything. You know, so like, what is that worth? Yeah. You know, and if you think about it, like, listen, we're in business. We want to be successful and create, you know, success for ourselves and for our families. But, you know, there's, you don't have a lot of time here on earth. That's just the truth. And, you know, the universe is billions and billions of years. You're lucky if you make it here for a hundred years. Mm-hmm. What are you going to really truly leave behind? How are you going to actually impact people? That's what matters most. And, you know, I want to just one more story. I interviewed a gentleman named Jay Shaddy for season four for my mm-hmm. show. And he's, 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 he's became a monk. And he told me, Gerard, when I was a monk, I asked him on the show, I said, what was one of the most biggest challenges that you ever faced becoming a monk? You're a millennial. What makes you go and you should do that? And I mean, a real monk. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're listening to this, he went to India and became a real monk for three years. Wow. And he said, gee, they took me and put me in a little village with nothing 
dropped me off there for 30 days with just a robe and I had to figure it out. Yeah. Nothing, with nothing. No mm-hmm. water, no food, no money, no nothing. He goes, the first thing that happens is you have to figure out how to be, how to survive. And that's what how many of us go through in life, right? And, and a lot of our parents had to go through that. So he's like, you're, you're, you're in fear, you have, you're survive, have to survive, and then, then all of a sudden, that's first week. The second week, all of a sudden, you start to realize, like, all right, listen, if I, if I bring value to this community, to this village, I help them, I start providing for them, I start doing anything I can to provide value for that community, they'll, you know, they'll barter. I'm gonna, and, and he's like, you start to realize, you start to be able to get food, you start to get water, someone's gonna give you shelter, because mm-hmm. you're providing, exchanging value. That's what a lot of us entrepreneurs do, right? Because yeah. this is what's got really interesting. By the third and fourth week, he is like, oh, wow, like, I am full, like I am got food, I got water, like mm-hmm. I built myself up, you feel great, right? I'm a monk, I did this, I get the <laughs> lesson. And this is what happens. You start looking around and you start realizing that not only did you create an abundance for yourself, but you start realizing that there's other homeless people in that area, in that village. And those homeless people are blind. Mm. Those people have no limbs, they're deaf, they're injured, they're sick, they're abandoned children. And you start realizing that if you provide that value and you just push a little bit harder and provide a little more value, not only are you gonna be able to take care of yourself now, but you also can take care of those around you that actually really need it, that can't provide value like you. Yeah. And that was the lesson of a monk. That's Think about that, how woke a fucking <laughs> monk is. Yeah. So it's like, as entrepreneurs, it's our duty, it is our responsibility to not only go after success for ourselves, for our company, for our team, for our family, but for your community and for humanity. The world needs leaders. Yeah. For sure. And we definitely need more of that community-based mindset. Um, so tell me how that mission and mindset also influenced you to start the Leaders Create Leaders web series. So, uh, you know, I just Leaders Create Leaders is such a huge passion of mine. Um, the one common denominator for me throughout my entire career is content. So when I first started, you know, it was it was you know, learning from my first mentor and then writing and doing marketing and telling stories through content for small cap and mid cap public companies. And then that turned into documentaries. I've done six documentaries. My last one is on cryptocurrency mm-hmm. called Decentralized Deception. I'm gonna ask um, you about that too in a minute. Oh, cool. <laughs> I did one on college conspiracy. I was the first to expose the student loan debt crisis. So like that my entire career has been content and you had Elite Daily. So for me, when Elite Daily was gone, I was like, all right, if I'm gonna do this yeah. and I'm gonna step up my platform, how can I do it differently? Yeah. And I saw a lot of people vlogging and I saw a lot of people doing certain things I was like I want to do it different I want to create it as a show I want to do quality over quantity and so for me I was like I want to travel the country and I want to find today's modern day leaders some of them that are completely untold stories that most people don't even know I want it to be about diversity I want black brown different cultures different ethnicities I want people that have different genres I want to shed light on that and women, women in business. And um, for me, I felt that that was important. It was it was near to dear my heart, so that's what I did. I did season one, Gary Vaynerchuk was such a huge, shout out to you, Gary, if you're listening to this, bro. <laughs> I fucking love you, man. You're such an inspiration. You've, you've been, I don't know if you know this, I know, you, I know you, you are this person for millions of people in the world, but me being a young kid from Jersey, I've told you this, man, just for me, I relate to you so much, just your entire career, who you are, how you show up in the world, you're a definition of a leader. And, um, you know, Gary was a big part of season one. And, um, you know, now looking back, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't perfect season one, but, you know, we got it out. And now season four, bro, it's it's so dope. This season's going to be epic. I can't wait. We're launching it next month. It's nice. everything's cinematic and it's like a docu-series. So it's it's really, it's something I'm super passionate about. And it's bigger than a show. It's a movement. 
That's awesome. Um, you mentioned that it's important for you to, uh, it was important for you to feature women on the web series too. Do you have, um, I, I like to ask male entrepreneurs who their female role model is, mm. uh, because I think that's, um, uh, something that is a little bit, uh, not forbidden, but a little, it, it's, I was never taught as a young guy to look up to women, right? Yes. Like, and you think about like how Drake, you know, has like a six foot poster of Beyonce, like in his mm. his studio, you know, because he's like, I want to grind like her, and I That's think I think young guys are kind of scorpion taught. is lit, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's good. The Kiki. Yo, but yeah, <laughs> Kiki's funny. Obviously, there's that trend. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Kiki. Who is Kiki? But uh, but you know what really touched me, man? The What's fact just is why Drake is one of the greatest ever and he is a definition of a true leader bro the fact that he got that michael jackson song bro and he mm. did that song it doesn't matter that song gives gives me goosebumps bro like i put that on repeat i drove from the hamptons all the way back <laughs> to the city with that on repeat singing like a kid when you hear michael jackson's voice wow yeah. man wow and there's so much to learn about michael jackson now it inspired me to really think through his life and the lessons and the things that we can learn about him yeah, totally. um, but yo that album just like is amazing and that song if you have not listened to it doesn't matter by drake with featuring a song that was never released with michael jackson you have to listen to that you right after it, this podcast gerard said listen to it go listen yeah, right yeah, after yeah. this and shout out to the leaders great leaders playlist on spotify you dig <laughs> uh so with that being said who is who is your female role model so i would say you know, I, I would say two people, but first and foremost, I, I would say shout out to mom because she's the real, of she's course. the she's she's the real VIP. Mom is the OG. She's the real MVP. Mm-hmm. But um, but other than I mean, Oprah, obviously, I want to take my hosting career to the next level. So yeah. she's someone that I really look at and just absolutely no hands hands down, Oprah. But there's this other. There's this other young lady right now I want to shout out that has been an unbelievable role model, and I think everybody right now needs to write this name down. Her name's Aisha Bow. Okay. All right. A I S H A B O W E. And I got to spend some time with Aisha on a trip that I just uh, went on with an amazing foundation called the Schusterman Foundation that's, that sends leaders from all over the world to Israel. It's called Reality Tech, and what an unbelievable foundation. Um, and met Aisha there, and hearing her story, and I'll just real quickly say, she's going to be on season four. She is the first African American engineer for nasa like wow she's been a huge huge she's done something remarkable but when i talked to aisha this is why i'm so inspired by her she said that vanity the magazine vanity fair Mm -hmm. was was doing a uh, a story and they wanted to highlight 25 successful women i don't Mm -hmm. think it was uh, i don't believe it was black women just women in general Mm -hmm. right and she got on the phone with them and she didn't make the list because they said the reason being is, you know, they had this girl, she had this, the, the, the pick, person they picked for the cover was this girl who had raised a lot of money, but like it was based on, it was all based on the fact of who, you had to raise at least a million dollars. And mm. here's Aisha Bo, someone who's, you mean what she, her backstory you hear on, you'll hear it on season four is remarkable how she'd been able to persevere and mm. get into NASA. Yeah. as an engineer outside of that she left nasa for reasons that i can't wait for you to hear i can't wait to listen. <laughs> that's it's, it's powerful but she 
she went and started her own company, took no capital, didn't mm-hmm. raise any money, mm-hmm. built a real business sustainable, created over seven figures in profits, but that didn't make the cut for the 25 women. Mm. That didn't make the cut for vanity. So come on, like what is going on with the perception mm-hmm. of real success in tech yep. that you have to raise capital from Silicon Valley yep. and that's what you see as successful? Yep. Come on, this, that's this, not success. Not all, yeah. That's not success. So shout out to Aisha Bo. You're the real you're the real role model out here. Yeah. I, I tell people all the time, like whenever you see like numbers like that, who raised how much, what the revenue is, but especially with fundraising, what is that money going toward? You know, what if they raise this much, what does that say about the bottom line? And are they profitable? What are they putting the money toward? Um, why do they need so much capital right now? You know, where are they in the in the growth cycle or, or the growth stage of the uh, of the company? So, totally, yeah, we need to we need to get better about um, kind of asking those questions about uh, what success means and what success is yeah. supposed to look like. So, Gerard, you. Um, you have a startup accelerator, incubator, you're a real estate developer, um, you're a mentor. Uh, if you're talking to uh, the entrepreneurs or, or hopeful entrepreneurs who are listening, what advice would you give them as far as prioritizing? So first of all, if you're listening to this and you are a green, you're, you're a green entrepreneur, meaning you're, 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 this is the beginning for you. You're just getting started. This may be your first company. What I would tell you is less is more. Don't be the entrepreneur that needs to have five LLCs and you're calling yourself a serial entrepreneur and you're trying to do all these different ideas. Go all in on the one that you're truly like truly passionate about you're truly like that's the one that in you know you, your intuition is saying to go all in and like you know it takes time so it's like it's gonna take three to four years so i would tell you if you're listening and you're just getting started out just like just block out every if there's block out all the distractions in your life starve all the distractions and go all in on the one thing that you're really truly passionate about and and know that's going to take two three four years but that credibility that you'll get from that, or if even if it fails, that lesson that you learn from that, that will really help you to create that growth. And then for those out there that are serial entrepreneurs like myself and that struggle like I do, um, you know, with multitasking, you know, what, what I've learned is that you have to plan. You have to take time to create a mind map. Put your put yourself at the center of that. I have for me, I have an amazing advisor. His name's Peter Yobo that I work with, and he sits with me, and we literally take some time, no phones, no distractions. We sit in a room for literally hours, sometimes for days, and he will literally drill into me. What is your vision, G? He'll meditate with me. He makes me call out how I see myself. What are my goals? What's my vision? Where am I going this year? And we write it all out on the board, and then we really mind map. Okay, how are we going to reverse engineer all of this and really prioritize mm-hmm. what we need to do to execute on those goals? And a lot of times people just don't do that. They don't plan. They don't sit, take the time to put themselves, write it down, get a whiteboard, r- 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 put all out all the goals, all the different companies, and really start to think about you know how much time you need to prioritize with all of that. And then it comes to discipline. Once you do that, then you actually have to be disciplined on a day to day basis. You have to actually build a routine for yourself and every day like really be disciplined and hold yourself accountable no one else is going to hold you accountable to really take the time to execute on those goals and again team like you know you can't do everything so you have to realize what do you need to say no to now what do you need to delegate 
Delegation is everything. I, I delegate so much. You know, I have 12 companies right now that I've started, each one of them doing over seven figures. And I built CEOs. I have to delegate to those teams and then I have to figure out what I do best to bring value to them and hold myself accountable on a day-to-day basis to make sure I'm there for them and I'm there for those businesses doing what I do best. But, you know, those are, those are, those would be my... Uh, my uh, lessons for you or advice. There's a couple more questions here, man. This has been um, such a great interview. Um, so you mentioned decentralizing uh, deception, right? Uh, decentralized deception. <laughs> de- decentralized deception. Um, this is a documentary that you produced. And you talk about some of the issues with the current cryptocurrency boom. Um, why was this important to you, one? And then two, what's wrong with the way people are approaching cryptocurrency and and you know obviously that includes like bitcoin and ethereum and things like that yeah so when i started my career one of the ways that i first became a multimillionaire um by the by the age of 24 was was actually through learning how to invest into the stock market and i love investing i'm an investor um and you know i really pay attention to the economy the reason why i started making documentaries um, in general, and I have a new documentary I'm working right now, which is basically Leaders Create Leaders, the documentary, which I'm tying together with my book. Nice. And uh, But for me, I've always wanted to leverage my platform um, to just shed light on things that are truly happening within society and more, mo- most importantly, like just the world and our economy. Because when I first started, you know, everyone was watching you know, the Kardashians, everyone's watching Jersey Shore and these reality TV and paying attention to social media, but no one's really paying attention to what's really truly happening to our economy. And it's like America is, you know, you know, is one of the, is the greatest, right? But you know, truthfully, if you look at it from a financial perspective, yeah. we went from being the most powerful, most successful company on the planet mm-hmm. to now the most indebted mm-hmm. in the entire planet, right? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to be like, hey, hang on a second. This is really important for our kids as millennials. This is really important for our our legacy and future of grandkids and things. And, you know, this is why we need to, as entrepreneurs, really step up and think about that. So I wanted to make documentaries that really looked into the economy, inflation, uh, the, the, you know, the dollar bubble, um, the Federal Reserve, um, all of these all of these things. So the last one, decentralized deception, was what I noticed was like, listen, that I'm a huge this blockchain is a game changer. Like, wow, like. That you, you ha- if you're not invested in paying attention to what's happening in blockchain, you will get left behind. Yeah. Period. Um, but with any new, you know, uh, revolution of technology and and with opportunity, also there's the other side of it. And you know what I saw was there was a lot of people using their influence to create hype to say, "Oh, I got the next Bitcoin. I got the next Bitcoin. I got the next Bitcoin," and um, and pumping them up. But they weren't real companies. They were like basically shells, and the, and the, the legalities of uh, of that industry and of of um, of that world of cryptocurrency just you know wasn't catching up. Now it now it has, but yeah. um, at the, the time reg- the regulations regulations yeah. haven't caught up. And um, and I just really wanted to make sure that I shed light on that whole story and just document what is really happening here. Yeah. And I caught you know a couple stories from some powerful people that were that were weren't disclosing that they were being paid and, mm-hmm. and that they were you know and they were getting behind and on the back end they had all these crypto all this cryptos and you know um, okay. basically you know I wanted to, to really shed light on that to protect people that the core of it is do your research. Yeah. 
don't fall for the hype and so, just automatically just go into it because it's shiny and hot. Do yeah. your research. Well, I think because the technology is so new and for a lot of people so complicated, and of course, whenever there are so many details, it makes it easier to get over on people, right? So what uh, advice or resource, resources, other, uh, obviously other than um, uh, the documentary, would you point people toward uh, who are interested in getting into crypto? Yeah, uh, so, you know, f- for me, I-, I write about a lot of this. I have an economic blog. Mm-hmm. It's known as inflation.us. Okay. So on there, we talk about the stock market. We talk about the economy. I release my documentaries through that through that company. So if you're ever interested in in learning more about that, then I would welcome you to to go to inflation.us. Um, you know, and uh, and that's where I kind of go over all of those things. And if you have any questions, I would tell you to hit me up, like at Gerard Adams on Instagram. You know, shoot me a DM. I always engage with my community. Feel free to reach out to me, and um, I'd be more than happy to uh, to to answer any questions. And I'll be doing more on crypto as well. I'm currently yeah. getting talking to a company right now that wants me to host something and do a show interviewing all the leaders within crypto nice. now that I did the documentary. So pay attention because, you know, we'll also have, I'll also be introducing a lot of experts in the field. Nice. Awesome. Well, lastly, I have three kind of r- really rapid fire questions. For okay. You. So uh, who's the person you text the most? <laughs> I got to admit, I'm a really bad texter. Okay. I'm a really bad texter. I'm so sorry to the people listening that know this about me. You know, one of the gifts that I try to really have, it's, you know, it's a, it's a battle because I, being present for me is everything. I may be late, but when I'm in front of you, <laughs> like I'm going to give you my undivided attention and respect. That's true. And I believe in that. Like we need to, I really believe that we should have a sign. I wanted to do a crowdfunding campaign where we put signs all over America and just like a street sign you know, the yellow street signs, and it just says, be here now, hmm. just so that people are more present. Um, so, so yeah, I'm not- so You're copping out, basically, of my question. Yeah, I, I know, <laughs> I know, I go on these little rants. Um, but of course, we're, I'm, you know, we have social media, we're always on our phones, but uh, let me see, who, who do I text most? Who do I text most? Who do I text most? I would say my, jeez. Oh, um, Come on, draw it, it's rapid fire. Okay, you know, it's rapid fire. <laughs> uh, my assistant. Okay, fair. Uh, what app can you not live without? What app can I, Instagram? Yeah? Fuck yeah. <laughs> Out of all the apps. I, I mean, you told me it's rapid fire. I love the gram, yo. <laughs> not not email. Hell not, no. <laughs> okay, nah. fair. And last question. Give me, you know, based on the life of Gerard Adams and everything that you went through and have learned of, you know, from growing up in Jersey to uh, starting and selling a company to now giving back to other entrepreneurs and young kids who want to be entrepreneurs. Give me three quick life lessons or life rules. Life lessons. I would tell you the first life lesson um, is to be world-class, to be world-class. And world-class, the way I define world-class is to be amongst the best and to be at the highest caliber. So no matter what you're doing, no matter who you are, who's listening, I don't care if you're a student, you're a police officer, you're a teacher, you're, 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 you know, just, you know, you're a CEO, you're an entrepreneur, whatever, I just, in life as a human being, show up world-class, be world-class, set those standards, live by your true values. So that's one. The second I would tell you is 
it's all about, it starts with your mindset. So you gotta develop a world-class mindset. Mm-hmm. What do I mean by mindset? I mean vision. How do you see yourself truly? Write it down tonight. If you're listening, write down how you see yourself. You know, because your mindset is everything, and you're gonna no matter what you are going to struggle. Like it's just way you can't have the good without the bad. So work on that mindset muscle. How do you see yourself, and how do you see the world? Work on that every day. And one of the one quick hack that I would tell you is create a routine for you in the morning. For me, I in my shower, I always pray, but then right before they get out of the shower, I put it on ice cold. Ice cold water, and that gets me, helps me with my mental toughness. And you just sit in that cold water, and you just, you know, for me, I pray, but for you, you can just prep, pep talk yourself, just go through that cold water, feel that, and just in your mind, meditate. Wow. You know, really think that through or meditate. The third I would tell you is, you know, um, I would honestly say it's, gosh, I wanna go give you so many. Um, the third I would say, Build a team. I was going to say patience, but you know Gary talks about that a lot. You need patience. But I will tell you, you, you know, there really is no such thing as self-made. Um, yeah, of course you can use that term and you can say you're self-made. But my success, if you've listened to me, is based on the team and the circle of influence that I have around me. So who are who the people around you? Build those relationships. Become great with people. Build quality relationships. Advisors, mentors, partners. You know your team, your employees, your you know the the people that you surround yourself with, the people that you build up in your life as a leader. That is what's going to allow you to become successful. Awesome. Well, that's a great sign off, man. I, I appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, stopping by. The, the bar car at live uh, yeah. <laughs> from the bar car at 1.37 p.m. Yeah, you chucked down that tequila, bro. How you feeling? <laughs> I'm good. Look, I'm a big dude. I got a high tolerance. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. <laughs> so we're good. Uh, remember, if you want to own your future, start this minute. This is 1.37 p.m. live from the bar car. That was JJ's interview with Gerard Adams. You can follow him on Twitter at I am Gerard Adams. Before we end the show, here is our latest launch where we talk about three things that are coming out this week that we're excited about, and you should be too. This is Latest Launch, a review of the latest tech, entertainment, and products the 137 team is indulging in. Ignition sequence start. And this week, all three of our latest launches are trailers from Comic-Con, where movie studios and TV networks tease their upcoming products. First up, we have Godzilla, King of the Monsters. It's the latest take on the Godzilla franchise from Warner Bros. And the trailer is really cool. It starts out with Millie Bobby Brown, who you all know from Stranger Things. And then it ends with a shot of Godzilla. But throughout it is my favorite part because the narration is done by Vera Farmiga, who is one of my favorite actresses, of course, from Up in the Air and Bates Motel. Um, there's a lot of action in it. Lot, not a lot of shots of Godzilla or his enemy Mothra, but uh, lots of great acting from the young star Millie Bobby Brown. Our second one is Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Um, this, is, of course, is the Harry Potter spinoff prequel from Warner Bros. as well. Um, it, of course, stars Eddie Redmayne, who reprises his role as Newt. But the exciting thing about this one is you get your first glimpse of Jude Law, who joins the cast as the young Dumbledore. Um, He looks great in it, he acts great in it, and we're excited for it. Our last latest launch is The Walking Dead Season 9 trailer. In this season, we'll see a new villain, a female foe. Um, Her name is Alpha. She's played by Samantha Morton. And she's going to be leading a group called The Whispers, who are creepy because they wear zombie skin. And 
We're also going to see Maggie take on an even greater leadership role from Rick. Um, And with those two developments, it's obviously going to be a season full of females kicking ass. So we're excited about that. And that's it for 1.37 p.m. live from the bar cart. I'm Ba, and you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at B-A-H Journalist. And if you want to follow 1.37 p.m., go over to Instagram. And that's one spelled out. The number is 37 p.m. This is 1.37 p.m. If you want to own the future, start this minute. Live from the Bar Cart is a Gallery Media Production.